0: Everybody in Texas knows everybody in Texas. (laughs) Oh. It's a small knit
1: state, is it? Like yeah.
2: It's a big state.
3: I don't know anybody, but I know Bill.
2: Oh there you go. That's all that matters, right? What's up everyone? This is episode 526, and we are talking with Tony Hurt from Blue Mountain Pythons. We're going to hit on his carbon python collections, his breedings, including what he has going on in the future. Uh, we get into his caging and how he approaches husbandry for diamond pythons, but despite some of the obstacles that he would face living in Texas. We also have a special guest that pops in. It's good friends with Tony. He just wanted to show his support. Uh, for the Patreon members, check out this week's hot take. We hit on the recent video that popped up on USARC's Florida YouTube channel. Even though it is very early in what's going on, we still have a chat about what is known so far. All right, let's get into it. What's up?
1: <clears throat> try again. Try you screwed again. it up. Yeah, it's a, no, try again. The heck. Yeah, welcome, Eddie. <sighs> Jesus. No, 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 no. We'll only be doing the show for twelve goddamn years. Can't the is, show. The boss yeah. is here. I'm feeling nervous. The, the, don't, don't,
0: I mean? don't look at him. Don't look at Bill. Just <laughs> don't what make. Eye, Just do not make eye contact. Do, do I have to get Buddy on the phone? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. We don't need other people uh, here.
2: <laughs> all right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. And tonight we are joined by Tony Hurt, and um, and uh, we have a special guest here. Uh, I guess these gentlemen are our good friends, and we have our good friend Bill Stiegel, popping in to You're say black hello. That and brings
0: Bill Steigl on again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't miss uh, i wouldn't miss popping Tony's cherry on NPR. So. <laughs> nice. And it's become weird. All right, so. <laughs>
2: So how do well, you guys it, know each other? Just Texas from living? De-
3: everybody in Texas knows everybody in Texas. <laughs> oh, uh, it's a small
1: knit state, is it? I'm like,
3: no, yeah, it's, it's a big state. I don't know
0: anybody, but I know Bill.
2: Oh, there you uh, go. That's I, all that matters, right?
0: Yeah. I, w- yeah. I would let Tony just, just tell the story about how we met, but his dementia kick, kicking in a little oh. bit, and he probably wouldn't, re- wouldn't remember.
4: Mm.
0: But really- it, <laughs> the reason I wanted to come on just – just for a minute before you get going with Tony, well, maybe I'll. Well, stay maybe on not. <laughs> and, and, and he'll get going. There he is. <laughs> there he's back. Okay, is <laughs> because Tony Hurt was my original snake mentor. I got oh. my very first snake from Tony. Uh, probably what Tony twenty three years ago, maybe right around. I'm right thinking around 98,
3: 99,
0: yeah, maybe a little before, yeah. So, so yeah, maybe it, 25 years ago.
1: It's Tony's uh, fault that we have you.
0: That's what. <laughs> okay. hey, that's what. That's what Bill Kim ke- keeps saying. Accomplishment. I, I
3: look back, and <laughs> if I don't do anything, Bill has set such a good example that I can feel good about that. I sleep well at night.
2: <laughs> so in like a uh, six degrees of separation type of thing, you uh, you 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 created the sickness, I guess, right?
1: so yeah. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Well, yeah. Tony,
3: yeah. I don't think Bill was near as fortunate until he met me. So maybe it uh, started right here.
1: <laughs> what Thank was the God snake? you showed up, Tony. Yeah.
2: What was the snake? What was the first name? I know it has a ball python. A ball probably, probably, probably yeah. What
1: kind?
0: What was it? It, it was oh, a, a a male het pied ball pythons that, that was man. actually purchased as a as a gift for my son ryan who at the time was probably eight eight years old
1: wow. okay so okay. It's like no no other no other genes on top of that it was just yeah all right
0: yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah there was uh there,
3: there was a lot you could do with a het pod uh oh, yeah. especially like you could flip it over and look at the tail and tell it was a het pod That was big back then. That that was big news. Big news. (laughs) You didn't know how to tell that. You you were doing something wrong.
2: You weren't in the circle.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. You weren't in the know. Yeah. So, 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 so anyway, I was just going to kind of finish how we met. I purchased that that, uh, snake for my son. He wanted to get a snake, and that that was the first real snake that I had. So, I was really an adult when I got got into this. And, uh, of course, I quickly took over that snake. I loved it. And a year later, you know, Tony, Tony really did take me under his wing. I mean, he's the one that taught me how to take care of snakes, how to breed snakes. And uh, we got into some breeding projects together, Uh, ball pythons and then carpet pythons. Tony taught me how to take care of and breed uh, and establish carpet pythons. So.
1: It wasn't like there was a podcast that you could listen to that could tell you this information.
0: 1998. Oh, all right. (laughs) Yeah,
1: the
3: the exchange of information back in was all about going to shows. It's amazing now how we can share information. Uh,
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And it really is surprising that since I've gotten into it, that we don't share more. Uh, Yeah. But there's just, uh, it's, it's a whole different industry, hobby. It's changed 100%.
2: Yeah, as you guys being former Ball Python guys. <clears throat> isn't it crazy? I was thinking about this the other day. You see like Kabilko puts out a video, you're like, "Holy shit, what is this crazy morph combo that he's got going on now?" Um, but like back then when you just had a pied or like a pastel pied that was like, you know, that was like the holy grail. Bumblebees, yeah. you, you like yeah. oh, sh- you know, killer bees, queen bees, I mean, I don't know. How do you guys see that now? Do do, do you look back at that and say, ever think about that?
3: Well, I'll tell you guys real fast because it's not a ball python show. I bought a pastel for Uh $1,000. And I got Mm -hmm. in the newspaper and I just started collecting normal females. And then two years from when I bought that pastel, I made $18,000 breeding pastels. Uh, Holy shit! And I'm oh. like, this this snake business is the easiest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next thing I do, you know, I'm, I'm I'm throwing the whole house and farm into this snake breeding venture. Right. Uh, but it it was a great time to breed a pastel ball python, and and I was mm-hmm. fortunate to breed some really nice pastels. Um, uh, I, I went to Daytona the year after that, and I had people buying pastels for two thousand dollars off my table. Uh, wow. This even before the show like when the breeders would come and walk around duh. it was really a cool experience yeah yeah things,
0: it's great things moved really fast back then because everything was codom or incomplete dominant stacked right so every mm-hmm. year you know you didn't have to wait for the new triple recessive to come right. out man every year it was just just stacked with the next you know it's a not just not as a pastel clown. Well, now you got the killer clown, you know, a yeah. pastel <laughs> yeah. clown, which just blew everybody away. And so things move fast.
2: Can you imagine yeah. what you would think about seeing some of the combinations that you see today back then? You know, yeah. I, it, you, my your just mind would be blown, you know, like, God, what the hell is that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. Wouldn't be able to describe it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't expect things to be like this. I really thought the value would hold uh, a little bit better than it has. But looking back on it, it all makes 100% sense w- what has happened. Uh, there's right. so many people doing it, so many different animals that, that you can choose from that right. uh, you, you can still do great. Uh, and I think Bill's a great example of somebody that has got a business sense about it, and he knows what snakes to stay into. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think anybody that does that, it's it, it doesn't just fall off a tree and hit you in the head. You, you got to do some thinking. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I, that's that's the one thing that I always liked about you, Bill, is like you had a clear focus with that. Right. You you sort of, you know, you're like, I'm not going to breed anything that's above this price point. Yeah. And I want things that look good into adulthood.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I mean, some of that has been, uh, you know, just to be honest, some luck, and that that comes with the green trees that I produce, right? A lot of that came in because I I work on two opposite end of the spectrums. I produce entry level or or show quality ball pythons, right. and then I produce really some of the the top notch, high end designer green trees on the planet. Right. Um, but I do like the fact that I, I'm nowhere in between, um, hmm. and I've done I've done well on both both sides. Uh, so financially and just having fun, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: What it's supposed to be about, anyway. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, listen, guys. I'm going to bail. I don't right. to take, uh, Tony's thunder. I can't wait to watch uh, the rest of this episode. But uh, I wanted to just uh, you know thank Tony again for uh, you know the, the beginning that he gave me. And truly, it's a true statement. If it wasn't for for Tony Hurt, Phoenix Reptiles would not be on the face of the planet right now. So appreciate well, you, man. Bill,
3: I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I'll talk about you a little bit after you're gone. But getting back <laughs> into the States, I, uh, I really watched what you did and how you handled yourself and how you kind of pick and chose what you did and what little success I've had. I think a lot has to do with uh, I took my time, but then I
0: watched what Bill did. So yeah. I thank you for that. I appreciate that, man. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And we'll, tra- we'll trash I'll, Bill when he gets off. Yeah,
0: I, I, I can't wait. Yeah, no. and, and I'll get my payback in August when I come see you guys in Philly. Did you Very get good. a written? Did you get a written
1: invitation to this carpet I don't I'm, recall I'm working, sending. I'm
0: working on that.
1: Of okay. course he did. Johnny sent it. No, no one's talking to you. <laughs> You're you not needed here. You uh, so yeah. see, <laughs>
0: see
1: Bill. yeah
0: <Ay>, <laughs> see, see you guys. Bye uh, Bill. Thank you Bill.
3: Yeah, he's okay. oh, he came back. <laughs> he's the king of podcast isn't he? <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, yeah, man. I, I,
3: mean, I went just... to Bill's house last week and said, "Bill, I'm I'm going on NPR. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, who,
3: who better to ask?"
2: Uh yeah, uh, those well, good
3: people. He's good yep. people.
1: Good, yeah, we'll keep people. him, I guess, for a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, we'll, and then we'll try to trade him to somebody else, a, a different group. Maybe the monitor people. So, I don't know, we'll go find something yeah. out. So. That's
3: way too much work for Bill. <laughs> 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 that's
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. He's in retirement now, like That's true. Yeah, yeah. He, he likes <laughs> his snakes, but he likes it to be easy, too. Yeah. Who doesn't? Like it's it, it You be, don't Apparently you don't. Not. <laughs> you apparently you. I don't.
2: Uh, what's wrong with me? How many things can I breed? I don't know. I I
1: think. Uh... <laughs> Listen, oh. do you think that I think beyond like yeah, whatever? <laughs> it's like it, yeah.
2: No. See, I try to influence Owen, like Bill influence or you influence Bill, but it, I you know I'm having and no it, luck here. It, uh, <laughs>
1: it's,
3: well, it's, now, it's, and, it's, and I don't course. know Owen very well, but I've been listening to you guys, so I, I know you a lot better than you know me. But uh, you know some of these animals you were struggling with, and and you're mm. really you you've got it down now. So uh, great job to you and Thank enjoy you. all your babies. Enjoy your work, man. This is, if, if you like it, that's what it's about.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, uh, one of the baby white lips left this week uh, to go to where it like to a new home, and I was like, no, bittersweet. Like, like, well, you try for ten years to get the little bastards and yeah. Then, like it's it comes time to it, but um. It went to it went to Lisa, so it was it wasn't like oh, good. It wasn't oh, okay. that bittersweet. It went to went to somebody we know who was going to appreciate it. Yeah, but she'll take care of it. Oh yeah, but I'm like, eh, I don't want to sell them. Like, I don't want to put them yeah. up the. You know, it's you have to deal with all the other stuff that comes with it.
3: But well, I'm sure you want them to go to people that you know and you can right. get track of them. And yeah, I, I think yeah. it's really interesting uh, how much easier it has been for me to work with always captive bred animals. Mm-hmm. But hearing you guys talk about the white lips, which, which I've been in the white lip business before I, I bought wild caught white lips for $45 and loved every minute of them mm-hmm. trying to chew on me. Yeah. Uh, I, it's I'd a wear a fun snake time. suit to hold them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But I hear people being successful with yeah. wild caught snakes. Yeah. Um, not, n- not the way I would go as a beginner, but I, I think there's an art to that. Uh, it's really awesome to see people get those snakes acclimated and to reproduce. It,
1: it's 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 watching people who are like I've had a corn snake for about a year and a half now, and I want to get your opinion on what I need to get a white lip. And I'm like, I think you need more time, is what I think you need. Like, yeah. um, but it, it, it seems like as stuff becomes more accessible, they are gorgeous animals. So of course, people are going to be attracted to um them and wanting to to own them, and it's it, it is cool to see people have success with those rare kind of weird off the cuff stuff. So, I mean, I'm working on getting some wild caught done. adjusted right now. So
2: I feel Owen is an example of what's often overlooked in the hobby of, you know, sticking with something, even through the, the terrible <laughs> lows. Gut
1: punches, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all, all the wonderful gut punches.
2: And like if you're, if you're really, you know, uh, I hate to throw the word around, but if you're really passionate about the, the, the species or the project or whatever it would be, that, you know, somehow you're going to eventually come out, on, you know, on a positive thing. But I think I think it's, it's, it's cool so that people can see that, you know, that have been following the show for a long time. That have seen Owen through those lows and those weeks where he's just like I don't know, I'm mean, gonna throw something <laughs> against the wall, yeah. you know. Well, and now it, to finally have success, it just you know I don't know. I think yeah. that's I think that's cool.
3: No, I I think that's what it's all about. And and you know if you're gonna have several species, you know maybe have that hard species that's gonna have that big that big payoff. It may yeah. not be a financial payoff, but it's gonna be a payoff for you knowing that you accomplished that that hurdle that a lot of people haven't been able to jump over.
1: And, and yeah. it's something that, like, maybe it doesn't produce every year. But when it does, you're not in a rush to sell the babies. You can kind of slow it and, like, you can set them at a price that yeah, they're not going to run out the door. If they do, it's a great idea, but like, or fantastic. But right. this way you can kind of ease it off a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can skin the cat. So,
3: well, you can even, you know, hold, a, hold them all back and yeah. just, just raise them all a different way and mm-hmm. kind of find out the best way to do it. You know, Which we all act like we know what we're doing, but twenty years ago, we knew what we were doing, and it was completely wrong. So, right, you know, <laughs> um, and we're still learning
2: that still we're wrong. Doing, yeah, <laughs> right, right. You know, still figuring stuff out. Well, let's go back to the beginning, since this yeah. is your first yeah. time on NPR. How did you get started in reptiles?
3: You know, I'd I have to say, like a lot of your guests, I, I was just born with the snake gene. Okay. Uh, I really was always amazed with snakes. My my dad taught earth science, and when I was about five years old, one of his students brought him a snake to give to me, and it was a little <laughs> hog nose snake. And I put it in an aquarium and tried to feed it uh, any kind of bug I could find in the yard. And uh, eventually, it died. Uh, and I just kept getting snakes and killing them. Uh, but I didn't have anybody that was into snakes to tell me any different uh, Right there there, there wasn't a, a library in this town that I could go and even find a book on how to raise a hognose uh, re- really the information age is upon us you know I sound yeah. like I'm 100 years old but I'll, I'll be 53 in a few weeks and living in a town of 3,000 people that, that's just kind of what you did uh, but uh, eventually I learned uh, I, I got a garter snake started feeding the goldfish and man that was the coolest thing ever uh and then just always kept snakes in my life till i got to uh to high school uh and and i can tell you guys snake stories man if you want to know some crazy stuff but we got a lot always to about, so <laughs>
1: um, always but if you right. want to go on a tangent just let it let it fly that's what we that's what <laughs> we want man we want well, crazy stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah someday i'm going to send this book that my mom had her first grade class write about hmm. me and a burmese python that escaped got into our washing machine
1: oh god it <laughs> met
3: its maker in that washing machine oh, and, uh,
1: oh god <laughs> a long
3: story that they wrote it's very very cute and uh I, I i'm really proud of that looking back on it not that i killed the snake but uh <laughs> i blame the equipment i was using Uh but it, it was really a, a neat story that really hopefully exposed some of those kids to animals and snakes and how great they can be to keep. Cause I was very upset. It, it was mm-hmm. a very emotional story about me losing that snake. Yeah. But, uh, so got out of snakes when I hit that age where I'm looking for girls. And, uh, mm-hmm. but then when I was, uh, right out of college, got, uh, moved back to Dallas and, um, Somehow or another, I came across Stan Grumbeck. Uh, okay. If, if you know Stan, Stan's the man. This guy's been breeding snakes before I was born. Uh, and he. I went over to his house, and he had a snake room. And I saw what, you know, just couldn't believe. Zoo quality or better, everything was just immaculate. He had snakes in drawers, snakes in cages. Man, my head just started spinning. So hmm. a year later, I've got berms. I've got boas. And then I, I I get in the berm breeding business, which which was great. I loved okay. it. Uh, got some albino berms and green berms. I bred some Colombian boa constrictors. Uh, really a, a neat time. I sold all those snakes in the newspaper. I, I would just post ads, uh, and people would come over and give me a hundred bucks or forty bucks, depending on what snake they were buying. And uh, it, it got so it got so busy that I would just have to say, all right, it's going to be Saturday morning between eight and 12 and you can come over and buy your snakes. Uh, but I had a great time doing that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, how, how I survived. I, I had those snakes. So fat, uh, really knew, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Right. Stan, stand. is this okay if the snake eats a 12 pound rabbit and you go, well, I, I guess we'll find out. Rabbits,
1: yeah. Only one way to know really. It's yeah. So that's but, awesome
3: with with life and jobs i ended up uh leaving all that with my with my partner at the time and uh didn't get back into snakes until uh, about a few years before i i met bill um, okay and then and even then because i had seen a diamond carpet cross at stans house it was amazing this snake was Way overfed. It had to be ten feet long, but it was just solid black and had big X's down its back. Uh, and I kept waiting for that snake to, to reproduce. He ended up losing the animal before I could get offspring. Mm. But uh, that that snake really stuck in my head, and I'm sure you guys have snakes too that you've seen that you, you you'll just won't ever forget that moment. Yeah, um, it's, a, a, it's completely incredible. And uh, so when when I Got my first job out of uh, I went to therapy school, and when I got out of therapy school, I went and bought a jungle carpet from uh, uh I think his name is it, Peter Call, yeah, uh, I yeah. was called him Python Pete, yep, yeah. He he sold me a smoking snake, just loved it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, those are good jungles, <laughs> so yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I
3: had that snake. Uh, and then a few years after that, I, I got some rainbows that uh, from Lloyd Lemke. Okay. Uh,
2: okay. Coastal carpet guy.
3: Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I had no idea who it was, but I bought some adults from him, and they were perfect and bred for me every year. It was the easiest snake to breed. Uh, and, and then I got some jungles indirectly. Uh, I, I got them from him, but he'd gotten them from the, the barkers. Okay. And, and these animals were all descendants of the, the beautiful jungle carpet that's on the the cover of pythons of the world volume one, one. Or volume two, one
1: volume one. Yep. Yeah, volume two is about ball pythons. And then okay. volume three is the rest of the stuff over there, <laughs> all the Indo stuff. <laughs>
3: so I would take that book to the shows with me and I'd sell these jungle carpets that, that were just beautiful. Uh, That's awesome. And and th- those are some animals I, I, I wish I still had. They, they were probably five or six years old when I actually bought them, but just mm-hmm. in perfect condition. Uh, love carpets. Uh, it, and it wasn't too much longer after that that I got distracted by the ball python. Uh, <laughs> and, and that really was the beginning of the end. Um, I, I had probably 100 adult breeding females and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, five or six different ball python, really nice uh, spiders and pinstripes and, and all that sounds no big deal, but uh, it was a big deal back then. Big deal then, yeah.
1: I mean, that was – that was um, I, I remember having friends in college in the early 2000s who had uh, some pastels, and they were like, we're going to breed them because they're still up there. And that was around the time when spider was just starting to really kind of affect a lot of things um, or be mixed in with some stuff. So I, I definitely know that was still kind of up in there. It wasn't – they weren't the <laughs> – buy one get one free ball python at that time yet so
3: but but it got to be a lot of work and i Mm. I was having trouble with with my marriage and so i i got a divorce and 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 just kind of let just just didn't look back with the snakes right Uh, and and i didn't think i'd ever get back into it until my daughter hit about 17 and uh she didn't need her dad as much uh, so I needed something to take care of. And I decided I'm, I'm going to get a snake. Uh, okay. So I uh, started thinking about it. And, and I, that, that's when I started listening to you guys.
1: Okay. All right.
3: Just trying to soak up as much. Uh, I, I listened to one show thinking, I don't know anything about carpets. You know, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've read them. I don't know how many times, but man, everything has changed so much. Uh, but that's when it all started. I, I, I bought two snakes in about two years. Uh, and then I started to raise those up about the time they bred, I started diving into more. Uh, okay, But, uh, you, you know, since then I've, 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 just really keep a small collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've, i bought not including the, the diamonds I've bought five animals. Uh, okay. And then, uh, everything else I have is stuff that I've held back and, and raising up to breed, uh,
1: were, but, were, were the diamonds the like when you came back in was it straight to the diamonds or was it to something else for a little bit first and then you kind of worked your way up the diamonds
3: so once you start keeping snakes and you have yeah. so much time on your hands uh <laughs> and, and and you're 50 years old i mean i it, it was just uh it, it was a great way for me to spend my time and if you hadn't been around snakes for a long mm. time it's probably a pretty Unique situation for somebody like myself that really needs to be around snakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life is better when I have a snake really close by, uh, and I, I think if we deny ourselves that, you know, we're just kidding somebody. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. Once yeah. I got back into it, I realized what I missed, uh, and uh, you know, kind of like you, you guys always encourage us to, you know, look look beyond what you know. You know, there, there's, you know, if, if I've learned anything, it's that there's a lot we don't know with this animal that does not communicate well. Nice. Uh, you <laughs> know, we're, we're, we're just watching signs and just trying to, to imitate the wild. But meanwhile, optimal environment. We don't want to stress you too much, but we need you to know where you're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so experiencing all that i i just started going a little bit deeper and i realized that i needed a challenge kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier yeah uh, yeah so I, I dove in into the diamonds they kind of offered everything that i wanted uh, uh you know just like a carpet python i, I love the size and shape and, mm-hmm. and just kind of the attitude but uh, i also wanted the challenge in general uh <laughs> Uh, as, as far as I know, it, it, except for Terry Burwell, I don't know how many people have tried to breed these in the in desert. Texas <laughs> well, in the desert. And, and right, in the desert. <laughs> right. Uh, you know my relative humidity is about twenty percent. Uh, right, and uh, yeah, so well, I, I would feel you, really good about that. You know yeah. that
2: article that? Uh, well, it's not actually the desert, I guess, but. Um, that article that came out in reptiles magazine. It was about Stan breeding, diamonds. About breeding <laughs> diamonds. You know, a lot of people gave him shit because he kept them in styrofoam coolers in his garage. But, you know, after talking to Rob about that, it, he was saying about how the temperature in Colorado, which is where that guy was from, hmm. um, is just so different, uh, you know, cause he will say one, he'll it, show me a picture where it's like snows on the ground in the morning time. And then in the afternoon, it's like the streets are clear. Here right. in the East Coast, it snows. The snow staying there for for days, sometimes yeah. months. You know, yeah. So it's just it's it's interesting uh, that you bring that up because I find that's one of the biggest things that I've learned doing this show is that you know a lot of times people will disagree on how you breed, you know, species, and it it's sort of like you're looking at it as your way is the right way because you're having success. However. You're in a completely different situation, mm-hmm. and all of the parameters are usually different, and you sort of have to understand, you know, to your point, how that snake works in order to try to be successful with it. And then when you yeah. throw in the tougher species part of it that haven't really been bred, that's even even more challenging. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Wanna- yeah
1: but i I like the idea of having a challenge because it's like yeah i I think if 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 every time i put my snakes together no matter what the species was they got eggs i think i'd be bored it would get bored like yeah Yeah. i think i think i would be bored Mm -hmm. like i want the challenge so yeah
3: and and i wanted the challenge but i Mm -hmm. also knew that there were some great people in the hobby that know Mm -hmm. how to do it Uh, right and they don't know how to do it maybe at my house but uh You know, I think unlike some of the things that you've done, Owen, you're you're really flying in the dark because (laughs) even the stuff that people have been successful with, you're really not sure how much that contributed to them being successful um,
1: right uh, like what, what did i say like any anybody can run into a clutch do it do it twice like let me let me see it back three to back times or right something like that three times well that would be the thing right uh, yeah three times you three times you know what you're doing um right. if you get a, if you get three clutches you know what you're doing One and i clutch, thought about that yep. statement
3: owen and mm-hmm. I, I like where your head's at and sometimes it depends on the snake mm-hmm. so, We have snakes that are good breeders, and we have snakes that aren't as good. Yeah, right. Yeah, Uh, I I think some snakes are have more anxiety. uh, Yeah, and just if a snake is stressed too much, it's not going to be able to function the way you want it to.
1: Uh, I, I was thinking about that today because I'm sitting here thinking that I'm pretty sure I could have gotten water pythons at this point if I had a different pair of water pythons. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, hate I think yours a broken like, <laughs> mine are broken. She she's a maniac and he doesn't want anything to do with her. And I'm like, well, we're not going to get babies this way, guys. So yeah.
3: So are you are you just riding the line and and you continuing to do what you've been doing to hopefully hopefully she'll acclimate? Or are you trying to change it up every year?
1: I, I think it's going to end up being him. Um, because he's a little bit smaller than her, and he's also a finicky little feeder. Like he doesn't really pound the food. She'll eat anything that comes in front of her, so she's always huge, of size, swells up nice and big, and he hides and doesn't want anything to do with her. So I Are think you it sure might it's a male. Be, yeah. Okay. Yes, I pr- I pr- <laughs> the amount of times it, he's had more action with a probe set than he's had with her. Okay, okay, so fair <laughs> it's, um, uh, But it's one of those things where it's like uh, maybe you need a different boy, boy with a more of a right. jerky personality. So, or, we'll or just
3: some kind of stimulation, mm-hmm. something different. It, if, if it's you know maybe sheds of other snakes, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know if if you use a, a nest box. Mm -hmm. and and you get eggs in that box, I've really had good luck with that smell with all kinds of things, just stimulating a snake in a a different way. So I've really got to where I throw all kinds of stuff in their cages. Mm -hmm. I want them to smell something different, but I like to see what kind of reaction I get. And, you know, a a snake that wants to breed often acts like a snake that wants to eat until Mm -hmm. you put food up in front of its mouth. And then then it turns its head, yeah. Yeah. But you know that stimulation comes from, I think smell. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it comes from what they feel, and and they've got to be the best thermostats in the world. You know, oh, yeah. I, I want a thermostat like a snake. <laughs> I, I got a room full of
1: them. Yeah, yeah. Know, they
3: they tell me how cold it is. Uh, but uh, you know, they're
1: also I, the I, best way to indicate because I have um I have the, my three rough scales over here, and I thought the one female needed another year but my male was cued in on her. So he bred the one female and then he was up against the glass, like doing that thing where he kind of just waves back and forth. So I put him back in with the big female and he was in her cage, waving back and forth. I put him up with the other female and I haven't seen him for four days. He's been up where her, like she's gone he's with her curled up in the back. He's doing all that other fun stuff. So it's like, they're a better indication sometimes than I even know what's going on. So,
3: yeah, they they speak snake language. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what he sees in that other female, but obviously it's completely different.
1: He's uh, like, right. no, I'm done with I'm done with this one. I want the one up there, <laughs> like right. that one. Yeah. So.
2: so, so I'm curious with the nest box uh, you were saying about how you're adding stuff from kids. So you're taking like the you know the the moss or whatever and putting that in the cage. And what kind of behavior are you seeing from that?
3: So, here here's what got me started. Mm. In 2022, I had. Um, I had two gravid females, uh, mm-hmm. Colette and Firefly. Colette, I'd bred before, and she would always, right after her post ovulation shed, she'd hit the nest box and just camp. You know, yeah. she, she found her spot. I could not get Firefly in the nest box. And so I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell? She wants something I'm not giving her. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm telling you what I thought then. That's mm-hmm. kind of changed now. But so. I get the idea of taking the bedding from Colette's nest box and putting it in fireflies. And as soon as I did that, she immediately hit the nest box and she settled right down. Hmm. Uh, So something about that. I didn't change where the box was. I just added a a different element, which was smell uh, of a female that should be uh, emitting hormones uh, yeah. Stuff, um, so that's next got to smell different than a female that you know in in the in the spring, so to speak.
1: That and it might be one of those things that like she can smell that eggs were deposited here, and you know that might be something she's like it's a safe place to put mine. I, I don't know if I make that connection.
2: <laughs> and then and then if you look at carpet pythons, um, mm-hmm. they usually uh, are you know think about those. Uh, uh observations that have been seen in the wild where they mm. continue to go back to that same nest site over and over and over again to where people have found you know uh hatched eggs
1: underneath you know, underneath the, the females you know, that yeah, are yeah, sitting yeah. On eggs yeah yeah
2: so
3: hmm. well and it and it, it kind of makes sense it, it would be much more adv- advantageous for them to use that same spot um uh, yeah and it's gonna help the males find the females uh
2: yeah so, yeah
3: yeah, I I think all that's fascinating. Just, yeah. just how these animals operate. Uh,
2: Me too. Because yeah.
3: watching mine, I I don't know how they survive sometimes. You know, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that's a whole different topic. I don't yeah. know if if we make our snakes decrease their survival skills because we make their life so optimal. Uh,
2: it's possible.
1: Yeah, yeah don't you don't know. have, have to be you know to be the best hunter. It, it's going to come back next week, so or in the next couple of days, so.
3: Right. You know, we yeah. raise these animals in, in almost an incubator type environment. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's why people didn't have success with the diamonds is mm-hmm. the diamonds need to be stressed or at yeah. least what we would interpret as stress. They, they right. need to be they need to get hot. They need to get cold. Uh, and, and that's probably what makes them strong, you know, increases their metabolism, all that mm-hmm. work. So, uh
2: yeah, i i think uh, I think we talked about it maybe on the last show or maybe the show before, but we were talking about how like when we go herping and we've you know we see this the snake in the in the wild, we're seeing like this little snapshot of what their environment is like, and you know if it's going to get cold, it's going to get cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they either die or they don't. You know, and you either
1: get out of there or die. Yeah,
2: right. So I think I think I think that's a good. That's a good thought that, you know, we're, we're sort of, uh, I guess in a way, it's like domesticating them, though. No? Yeah, you
3: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every day of, of, of their life is about survival. Uh, yeah. And, and we put them in a cage and, and you know, at some point they that's got to become less important because yeah. they just don't act like they're trying to survive. It's just take it easy. You know? Yeah. Uh,
2: well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like even you see that with human beings, right? I mean, not absolutely. that I'm comparing snakes with human beings, but the more civilized that it became and you're not worrying about where you're getting food from, where you're getting shelter from, where you're getting, mm. you know, fire from or, you know, whatever, uh, you start to ponder the, the, how the universe is made. And, you know, here we are today.
1: <laughs> yeah. You start figuring out the other stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because you're not worried about, you know, where is my next meal going to come
3: from?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, this, I don't know if, if anybody's written about this, but surely this is not an original thought. Mm-hmm. But I, I do find it very interesting. If if there is, you know, is, is there a chance that we need to challenge our snakes more? Uh, do, do we need to, you know, every once in a while just drop the heat? Uh,
1: Spike it almost a little, little almost
3: bit. bit. Yeah. You, you know, the things I would do to snakes when I would take them to shows I, I'm Yeah, be really comfortable doing it in my house. Yeah, I, oh, that's not right, right? So, you know, I right. Mean, you, you, you guys have done it. You put them in a box and you put that in a box and
1: you haul yep. them around. They're if you go pancakes. to a big two day show like in Chicago, it's like I remember the first time we went out there, I'm like, well, I have to bring, I have to make sure we bring enough little water bowls to make sure those snakes all have water. And it's like, when are you going to water the snakes when you're out there doing that? But it's like they could easily go that amount of time with this stuff and they just went came home it was that kind of sometimes we also with babies that are not feeding it's always the trick of taking for a car ride or put them in a bag it's like if you stress them out then they're actually going to start paying attention and possibly feeding so maybe stress is something that's important
3: well, well many times that oh i'm sorry eric yeah go no, no
2: no go ahead go ahead
3: well i was just thinking about the story you hear all mm. the time if you got a male he won't eat he won't breed take him in the car yeah, mm-hmm. Just go stress him out, bring him back, and then all of a sudden, he acts like a completely different snake.
1: We, yeah. We've had, I, I've personally driven snakes from my house to Eric's house, yeah. and then picked and up snakes versa. from Eric's <laughs> house
4: to my house,
1: and they have turned into completely different animals during that car ride, to where he's like, this thing is a psychopath, what, it? I'm like, really? It wasn't that bad, or... Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm holding this thing, and he's like, "That thing was crazy when I sent it to you." I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine here." Like, it's sometimes that just happens. Yeah. I mean, we've had that where, um, if you just drive him down the road and come back, it's like, especially with a male that won't breed, you put him back in the same cage with the same female, and it's like he's never seen her before in his life. So,
3: yeah, Mike, so come on, yeah. Eric, you you have to know this. You've read every book. <laughs>
2: um i you know so one of the things that i that i do to sort of i i I think that the that maybe the mindset on that is probably changing but like i have picked up on that from doing the show Mm. for for so many years and one of the things that i took away i actually we were talking i can't remember who it was but we were talking green trees and they said that they just shut everything off at night right yeah and i thought huh that's interesting and the reasoning was is like you know it's like big fireball in the sky goes down that <laughs> night. And then what happens at night is what happens, you know, the temperature is what the temperature is. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a, there's a level that I know that my room is not going to get to 30 degrees or something like that, but my heat goes off at night, everything, mm-hmm. all, everything, no heater, no, whatever the room is, that's what it is.
1: That's what the room know? is. Right.
2: I think the key to that though, is just balancing out with giving them options later in the day so mm-hmm. that they can warm up. But I think, you know, those little stressors maybe uh, are good. You know, another one that uh, Sean Christian talked about way back in the early days, he said about, you know, he thinks that people are too um, crazy when it comes to cleaning. Like, you know, they're they're making this like a super sterile environment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about scents and stuff like that. And one of the things that we all know, as soon as you clean the cage... <laughs> <laughs> the snake goes to the corner just, and just yeah, decides, just, you know, this is what's going to, yeah. I'm going to leave a, a something here. And, and like maybe not, you know, being so crazy about, um, you know, having this sterile environment is good for their, you know, immune systems or their, you know, just how they function. I don't know. It's just it's thoughts that come into my head when you say that.
3: No, I, I think that's a great point, And I've thought about that. It, mm-hmm. The fact that the, what, kind of bothers me with not cleaning the cages mm. is that they're confined in that environment with that smell if they're in the yeah. wild they they don't if, if it's something they don't like or they know sure. that it's not good for them they're gonna leave you get it. away from it yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh you know i guess i should prefer-
2: good- I, I should i should make sure i put a pin in that because I uh, I don't mean that you like do clean your cage because I don't want somebody to listen and think like oh he didn't clean his cages for you months don't or whatever bleach you know, it to high hell you know. yeah I'm just saying that like maybe some of that you know or or maybe you have like what you're saying with the the nesting from the nest mm-hmm. box or whatever it would be that you're putting that in there to sort of to give them that so you sort of we sort of have this balance right because we're not we we can never recreate the you know the cosmic octopus in mm-hmm. in a box but. um You know, you can sort of get, try to get the best of all those, you know, so that you're balancing that out. I think that's kind of important, but interesting.
3: No, I I think it's good. I think it's good to say that if you are new to carpet pythons, don't take too much from this conversation. Yeah. Uh, You got to keep it simple. Uh, Yeah. But once you understand why you don't have to keep it simple, then go listen to this.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Then you can step up a little bit after you get get them take a baby from hatchling to adult and like and proven breeder and then you can start messing with stuff because like you you've gone through the like at this point now i think this year i will have animals that i produced their great grandparents and now their their eggs are in the incubator and it's like when you've done that and when you started having multiple generations on on top of stuff, then you can start messing with it. Like if I start messing with hatchling carpets, it's not the be all end all for me because if it starts going bad, I know what I can do to try to salvage the situation. Exactly. So, you know.
2: Yeah. And you also have the experience to sort of be able to tell, like we all, I think the three of us here all can look at a snake and tell, if something's right or not or wrong, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's weird. I don't know how to put it into words and it's hard to teach, but just like, you know, it's just that visual thing. You're like, huh, that seems a bit off. You know what,
1: looking at your snakes every day, you know, when something is off, it could be minor. And where we have a problem as new keepers is we will convince ourselves that it's not true. Or that's not correct. Or you know what? The internet says they're doing this. So it should be fine. Your first knee-jerk reaction of something is not right is usually correct. And that's like, oh, she's holding her mouth a little weird. Eh, she probably just has a little bit. No, that could be the beginnings of stuff. And you should yes. try to see how that goes. Or she's sitting a little cockeyed. Well, she probably isn't gravid. Just keep going. Right. And then so it's the problem is the only way to learn that stuff is to mess up a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I use
2: the uh, the example. It's probably the easiest example mm-hmm. is um, you know when I first got in the back into carpet pythons, you know the, there was the ninety degree hotspot mm-hmm. type of situation, and you know you have to have like eighty five ambient, and mm-hmm. um, you know you constantly seeing snakes in the water bowl trying to get away from the heat, and they're mm-hmm. like plastered up against the face of the tub or the cage or whatever it would be, and then you adjust that a bit and then you see a different behavior and now you start to see them, you know, in different positions, you know, so that's sort of like Mm -hmm. how we sort of stumbled upon that we maybe possibly could be keeping them wrong where we're keeping them too warm. But if you think about how sort of what you said earlier, Tony, about, you know, we really didn't have back in the eighties, you didn't have the equipment that you have today. It was sort of, (laughs) it was sort of just the, you know, How do you keep a Burmese python? You put this lamp on top of it, and you know you got to make sure that it's ninety degrees. Probably because you weren't keeping it in a room that was regulated temperature, Mm -hmm. you know. It's just different things that uh, sort of we've evolved over the years. You had a
3: thermostat when I started keeping snakes. You were a professional snake keeper, right?
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And now that's become just you have to have it. It's it's a it's
1: needed thing. You know it's. The amount of technology that we have crammed into our snake rooms, if you really kind of sit back and think about it, is stuff that all at one point people were making or jerry-rigging. You have to find some person who was interested in snakes who had the know withal of how to make this thing or use that thing for this. I know a lot of the stuff when I started was they were temperature control systems that you use for air conditioners. Yeah,
3: Right. Uh, I, I sold Ranko's
1: there you uh, go <laughs> Back in the day, I had no
3: thermostat i had right. a guy that would build them and i'd sell them i'd make ten dollars a piece
1: mm.
3: I, I probably made four hundred dollars uh but over a year or two it, it was just a waste of time but i had good access to thermostats and i learned about thermostats mm-hmm. And right. i help people use thermostats that otherwise could have damaged their collection uh, right so no it's it, it's really funny i i bought uh a new Thermostat for my diamonds, and it's a Herpstat. It didn't come with a book because I bought it from a friend. Yeah. Oh huh. My gosh. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting a new Apple computer. You're right. Yeah.
1: You have to yeah. sit down and figure, like, I, I think I had my Herpstat, my first couple Herpstats for like years before I started really figuring out what they could do. <laughs> it's like, aside yeah. from set you temperature, told temperature. Like, yeah, you
2: told me where it's like you can ramp down can the ramp. It up, I was like, it wait, what?
1: Down. You can do all this fun stuff. And, <laughs> If I can just get it, so all I got to do is push a button, like you know, and, and they'll all do what I want. It's that's the next step. I but, mean, that
2: alone, right there, yeah. is just is just amazing of what you can do with that, right? You mm-hmm. can you can have the heat slowly rise up into the afternoon to where it peaks, and then, and slowly, then slowly bring it down, down. You know, yep, it's, it's and you can control that. You know, yeah, that's.
3: I wish you could do it twice. I wish you could ramp up and down, and then mm-hmm. ramp back up and down. Spike Not it up, that I yeah. would do that every day, but there might be some days that I would want to do that. Yeah. If you could, if
1: you could sit down and almost, I mean, like you know, plug it into a computer or something and almost plan it out that, like maybe every once in a while they have a bad day, like it's going to be a cooler day, it's going to only get to this point and then level off the whole day, or like you said, it's going to kind of do a couple spikes. Like,
2: well, it's probably similar to like if there's cloud cover, right? right I mean, right. if you have. If you have the bright sun on you, you're going to have, you know, it's full yeah. full thing. I bet you. Uh, give it a couple more. Give it a couple more
0: uh, we, things.
2: I can't remember. It's aquarium. It has to do with aquariums that they yeah. use this technology. But basically, you can have this app on your phone to where the weather to wherever you are trying to replicate is sort of doing the same thing. So if all of a sudden it gets cloudy, the lights sort of, you know, have a certain. Hue to them, and the temperature changes a bit.
1: So, could you just imagine, basically, just setting up the the zone of the cage and be like, "I want this cage to be like Darwin, Australia, all yeah. year round. Whatever's going on in Darwin's going on in this cage. Like right. that would be awesome. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. And it, it's it's probably possible. Uh, yeah. yeah really remarkable it will be (laughs) at one point it's just gonna
1: stuff like that's just gonna get easier and easier till eventually further down the road when everybody's got like Herbstat 12s and they can run their entire room off of it wireless bluetooth enabled and can pump music out of every single cage you know that's that's what we'll be looking at so
2: i see a day where you're going to have a unit Mm. that's going to you know be able to replicate what it's like when the sun rises and sets
4: mm-hmm.
2: what it's like when a storm would come through, what it's like when, you know, uh, you know, UV spots and stuff like that and all, all those types of things to where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just see this, I don't know. It seems like we're on that snowball and especially with AI now and all, all the technology just jumping leaps and bounds. I, I just don't see how it doesn't go there. You yeah. Know? It's just a matter of being able to do it or somebody doing it, you know.
3: Well, Eric, thanks to you, I have got into the smart plugs.
4: Uh, <laughs> there you go. And I, and great, I,
3: right? I, got, I, I bought so many smart plugs that, that my TV quit working.
4: I'm
3: so glad that, that you brought that up. And I don't think you spent a lot of time really discussing the smart plug, but it, it has been – Probably the the best thing I added to my room in 2021, uh, and I added some good stuff to my room. But uh, I really like those and continue to use them and try to find new ways to use them.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what are you controlling with them now? What, what's is it? Lights and heat? No, or
3: I'm almost embarrassed to say. Uh, so, all my other cages are on just individual thermostats that I get off mm-hmm. of. So, Amazon, you know, thirty-five bucks. I, I forget what they're called, but very, very simple. Uh, so I have all my thermostats hooked up to the smart plugs uh, for each individual cage, and I've got all my uh, lights hooked up to them. I've got my UVB lights hooked up mm-hmm. to them, and my fans hooked up to them. Okay. Uh, and so, I uh, if if I open that app, I'll usually go on there and and I'll I'll just change something. And if I was organized enough, I could sit there and map out my year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that kind of takes time. I I need a a setting that really learns me and how I like to adjust. And it just does that for me. Mm -hmm. And and not so much with my lights. They're on when the sun comes up and they go Mm -hmm. off when the sun goes down. But I do run the the fans at at varying times. And I run the UVB at varying times. And uh, I like to shut off the heat on these snakes sometimes.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: I'll, I'll i'll mess with them even after they eat i'll turn off their heat and yeah. i know they're looking for it yeah but i want them to look for it and right then I, I may wait ten hours and i'll turn it back on uh, okay so i don't i don't know if it just entertains me or if in some way uh it, it benefits the snake but at the very least i get to see a behavior or too that I don't get to see that often
2: yeah one of the things I've done recently with those is that i i sort of look at You know, when sunrise is going to happen and when sunset's Mm going to happen. And I sort of, like, push it a little bit after and a little bit before. And I'll have the main room, my main light in the room shut off. And I have two windows in my main snake room. And it just sort of lets this, the ambient light as that, you know, like, it sort of gets that dusk type of, you know. Because I think, like, most snakes are active. Mm Mm-hmm they're crust. Cr- uh, i'm not gonna b- bust this word up C- corpuscular did i say that right
1: <laughs> close yeah. enough <laughs> Yeah.
2: <I would> <laughs> so they're active at, at that you know at that when dusk is happening right you know? um or dawn but usually it's dusk so i i found that like they really start to go on the move during that time and uh it's it's awesome that with those lights and using a little bit of your iPhone's technology of shortcuts that you can automate those things to sort of do that so that you don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the thing I love about
1: that. I I, uh, I have the um yeah, that's the, a great idea. I have the lights in the I, I put planted actual live plants in my Rhino cage, and they have UV lights for the plants, and they actually turn on at different times. So the main light comes on. And it gets to a certain point, and then a couple hours later, um, the UV lights turn on, and then it's at its full brightness inside the tank. And then the main lights turn off at around, like, 4 or 5 o'clock, and then Mm -hmm. the UV lights go down later on. So it's kind of like it kind of slowly gets brighter, and then it's at its brightest, and then it'll slowly go back down, and then it's completely dark. So it's kind of like staggering that kind of stuff, too. Um, kind of does simulate, like you said, dusk dawn, yeah. kind of different stuff like that,
3: and and all that may help calm mm-hmm. the snake down and decrease stress and just mm-hmm. help acclimate them to to uh, you know do and, and and be more like we expectate. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I think it's uh, it's cool how three guys can sit around and talk about changing the light <laughs> three degrees. Uh, yeah. But, but that's fun. I, yeah. I have to kind of dive into the unknown a little bit.
2: Yeah, me too. I'm, um, I'm, I'm fascinated in trying to feel, so to me, it's, I, I've all, I've said this a lot, but you know, I guess it was when I, when I dabbled into the the lizard world, mm. it's sort of, I saw a different, uh, I, I'm glad that I did that because it gave me a different perspective on keeping snakes, you know, and, um you know, just like with UV lights, sort of what I do with the UV light is that I'll put it on in the afternoon and then it's only on for a couple hours and then it goes off. Mm-hmm. Um, I may bring it back on to, for the diamonds. I usually do it when they're, so like I'll turn the, the light off and it'll go off and on a couple of times throughout the day to where it will have this basking spot. But usually when I put the heat on, I'll put the UV on um and sort of try to figure out, you know, where, where are they going to bask or, you know, what are they doing, you know, to try to try to figure out that, you know, because do they need UV, do they not need UV, you know, all of that debate and, and whatnot. Um, I think the only way you figure it out is sort of running those type of
1: yeah,
2: yeah situations they, to see what they do.
1: Yeah.
3: Know? Yeah, um, the, and, and I don't know much about it other than I just want to make sure I don't give too much. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: You know what that is? I don't I don't know, but I'm I'm on, you know, pretty much 3 hours a day. And okay. Then, then I'll, I'll have a week that it'll be 6 hours a day. Right. Uh, and I'll I'll just switch it up on them. But uh
2: now do you observe them basking in that in that time? I, do you I
3: don't. No. Oh well. Okay. I I tell you this, they they all bask in the morning. Uh, okay. But uh I've never seen them bask directly under the UVB. Uh, the, the basking bulb I have is about four inches away from the, the UVB, and I don't know if, if I should expect them to get under the UVB. This mm-hmm. is a whole new exploration for me. Uh, I mm-hmm. got this focus cubed habitat cages. Okay. And, um, oh, when did I go pick those up? Uh, it couldn't be more than two months ago. But okay. that—that's that, the first time that I've consistently shut the heat off to a snake at night, and, and just like you keep Eric, all my diamonds heat—it's off 100 percent at night. Okay, but, uh, you know that—that's the one part of of my room that I just don't know because I'm getting used to the cages and mm-hmm. the snake behavior in the cages, and it's just completely different from what I've done. So I'm I'm learning hopefully every day.
2: So I got a question before we get into the cages. Do you notice the um, same behavior from the diamond crosses as you do from the the pure diamond stuff?
3: No. Uh, mm. I, right? I think it's different. Diamonds are different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the uh, You know, some of their behavior in that they really want to bask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they prefer that. I, I've got mm-hmm. belly heat in all my other cages. They rarely use it. Uh, mm mm-hmm. They're, they're basking at least 80% of the time. Yeah. And it's just okay. under a, a LED light. But, okay. but they like to be in the light. Uh, but uh, other than that, man, the diamonds are just different. They're yeah. Really yeah. harder. Uh, they they hold themselves a, a little differently. Uh, yeah. It's hard to describe. But yeah. But I think both you guys have had them, I and you've been able to tell. There's just – there's like a little something extra with the diamond. Uh, yes.
2: Yeah, when it's forty degrees and they're trying to eat a meal, right?
3: You're like, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) I've had diamonds, but not any success. So I've been there's something that's been chewing at the back of my head of late of what I can do to set them up to be a really nice kind of big enclosure and stuff like that. So that is that is that is I think the next big thing I'm going to try to tackle is diamonds. So they're on my list.
2: Hopefully, if I produce some Owen, I can. Make that a reality
1: that or Lucas, like if Lucas beats you to diamonds, I think we quit, okay? Uh, yeah, that's it. game <laughs> so, over. Yeah, yeah. Although,
2: I don't know, he's on a I've, roll, man. He's uh, he, uh, it, it,
1: well, it's not an Espadites, so uh, I'm, you know, yeah.
2: kind of feeling if, left, left Womers out Womers here in the cold,
0: ridiculous. They the are, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I, I make a prediction,
0: came from, but he's
2: not. gonna be uh, the Woma person in the U.S. and no dangerous at some yet. point with them, yeah. He's gonna be the go to person. Um, well, uh, good
3: for him. He, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. Just, just keep doing it right, buddy.
2: Um, the other thing I was going to talk to you about. So your cages. So how do you like the focus cube? Focus cubes.
1: Yeah,
3: I, I absolutely love them. I need yeah. like to throw everything else away and just go buy all cages from them. Uh, okay. It. Uh, if you want to enjoy your animals, mm. put them in the best cage you can imagine putting them in, and it's amazing how much more you'll enjoy them. And I was enjoying them a lot before. (laughs) They just made
1: it worse. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Wow. Yeah. Look at that.
2: So that'll give you an idea of the setup. I find it. So here's my next question with your cages. So you have four foot cages split in two, right? Right. Um, Are they pairs side by side? Or are you pulling that out so that they can breed together? Or you never pull the divider out
3: so all these snakes that you're seeing are 2021 animals okay uh, so in the next 12 to maybe 18 months if i push it I, i've got to buy two more for them uh and if you notice i set all these up as individual enclosures i mm-hmm. won't do that the next time but the way these are made and, and i just can't tell you how well they're made just everything is flawless uh Stephen and Ashley, Stephen and Ashley, just amazing people. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think they get tired. I, I, I need what they're doing. I, <laughs> I get tired just watching them. Uh, yeah. but there's a divider that'll come out. So ultimately I want to have, uh, each, each diamond and its own four by two by two. Mm. Uh, and it just so happens with these, I needed to house four snakes. So I bought the ones with dividers, but, uh, those dividers will be removed and, Uh, Probably what I'll do is end up buying too many, and then I'll use these for some snakes that I'm going to raise up. But, but my plan is just to use those as a one-unit cage when I get two more of them to put the other two in. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense,
2: right? I also love the. I don't know if this was done, if this was your idea or something you did or a thing that they have going on, but the fact that you got the hide box, you know, under the shelf. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to what people do when they're attaching it to the, to the ceiling of the cage. Um, and then I, I, from the picture on below, you sort of have an in and out from the top yes. of that shelf.
3: Just amazing. Uh, they, uh, Steven thought there wasn't going to be enough room
4: mm-hmm.
3: because the shelves, everything it has been modified to incorporate this four units in two cages. Uh, but uh, when when he got to the point where he, he really put his ruler on it, there was room in there for that, that hide. And I'm so thankful because there, there's no way that I could uh, have a place for them to hunker down that would be in a better spot or just more user-friendly for me and them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I put moss in there. Uh, I, I pretty much run everything in a, a sterile setup, but I do have – uh, Spagnum moss in those drawers. I spray that down every three or four days, and and they love those drawers. They're in and out from that hole in the top shelf. And mm-hmm. There's a a rock, uh, a piece of flagstone under the UVB lamp, or not the UVB, the halogen bulb that's in there, and and they'll get up and lay on that rock and then go back into that hide It's really worked well. Hmm. That's, awesome. that's awesome. Highly yeah. recommend them.
1: Yeah. Really cool.
2: What is the see that? It's sort of like the door sort of goes down like that. What? What's that? Is that? Yeah.
3: Um, that it's is look. just the design of the door. That's oh, okay. All right. That's cool. It's just a you know their their way of, of giving it a little bit more character. Gotcha. The one thing I really like about these cages is they have a fan in there. Mm. Um, and it's just amazing. Oh wow! Yeah seeing that, that fan run and it just makes me feel like they're getting fresh air uh, yeah
2: I think that's a huge thing this is something I learned from Keith McPeak and he was saying about how uh, a lot of times you don't hear a lot of people talk about ventilation mm-hmm. um, and that's I didn't even realize that was a fan I thought
1: that was just the uh, yeah that was just the, the way they it. Yeah, that's awesome
3: and I, I think one—the only thing I would do different is I would have—I I want two fans in each enclosure, one to push air out in. the back and one to yep. pull air in from the back.
2: Gotcha. Because
3: I'm really thinking I can roll these in front of a window and turn that that fan on that's going to pull air in from the from the window, mm-hmm. and I can cool these diamonds that way. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. I would imagine that's tough, right? Yeah, being in Texas. <laughs> well, cold. so
3: all these snakes are well. The, our our weather gets cold enough. It just doesn't get cold for very long. Our our winter is really uh, about two months where mm-hmm. it gets down to even close to to freezing. But um, I I mm-hmm. live with these snakes. Literally, they're in my bedroom. So mm-hmm. I just have these platforms on wheels with my stacks of cages, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and so I would open the window and the lowest that I could tolerate was 60 degrees. So I know I got them that cold, but if I'd have had a fan pulling that air in there faster and closer to that window, um, I I really think I could have got them below 50 degrees uh, at least for 30 days or so. Uh, And, and how ideal is that, you know?
2: Uh, Yeah.
3: So uh, hopefully I can see that into fruition.
2: Okay. Very cool. I like that. uh, I like that setup.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, I I, just—I've loved it. Me too.
2: Um, The one thing I did notice when I was looking through your uh, Facebook is that um, you know often I I say that uh, carpets don't like to perch, um, like like on those single perches. But I noticed that your diamonds do. So again, you know, it's not diamonds are weird. Yeah, a, a, a rule of thumb, but you know.
3: Yeah, I've got three snakes that like to perch like a, a green tree python. Really, one of them is a hundred percent diamond. The other two are, are, are crosses. But I, I don't. I, I have mostly shelving in my cages, so they they really have a particular flat surface. But I'll see mm-hmm. them trying to perch like a green tree on a flat shelf. Uh, but I would expect they would do it more if I just had a bunch of trees.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: But I, I do think there's something about living. You know, spending five hours a day just walking around these animals—they they are all very docile. Uh yeah. So I, I think they get used to you.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So so they don't mind perching in front of me, and oftentimes they'll come out when I get home because I think they know if I'm gonna get fed, it, it's gonna be from him. So I'll take my chances. Let's yeah, go ahead and make a move. So
2: when it comes to the diamonds or even the diamond crosses as you're feeding, are you doing a seasonal feeding? Or are you on a, on a schedule or what's your approach? Um,
3: yeah, i tell you, I, I've, I've really slowed down my feeding. Um, I, I'm, I'm finding that my snakes grow just as fast regardless mm-hmm. of how much I feed them. Um, so today at least for the past, well, I just got through with the winter, so I don't feed a lot in the winter, but, um, I, I'm I'm really going to go to just more of a varied diet, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I may feed a snake uh, every 15 days, and then I may give it three meals in a week. Uh, gotcha. Just, okay. just kind of follow their lead, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it it just seems like another way to kind of stress them a little bit. I'd I'd like to get them really hungry at times.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm sorry. good at that. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I fed. Uh, <laughs> I well, fed all the females. Eric, Eric
3: on, on that, when, when you let your snakes get hungry and it's mm. a snake that's under 12 months, do you find that that snake stops eating as well for you?
2: No. Okay. No, I find that, um, in, at least in my experience, um, you got a lot of it. <laughs> Difficult feeders, uh, uh, I often sort of take the approach of ignoring it. And, yeah. um, there's a, there's a balance there because, um, Rob Stone has taught me that, uh, you can't let it go too far. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> you gotta ignore <laughs> so, it up <laughs> to a certain point. Then you got to do yeah, something. I, yeah. I've
2: done that to where, uh, we had to offer tails in order to get the snake back on track because, yeah. um, it didn't eat for so long, but I had a zebra jag, like that original clutch that I did, that thing didn't eat for yeah. six months. As a baby, um, and then I sort of fed it, and then I don't feed during the winter, really, um even the babies. The difficulty with that though, is that i don't it takes me longer to grow into adults right um, and I found that uh over the past couple of years, I went too far into the not feeding enough type of deal and the thing of it is is like they'll eat regard like you know when I first got in the carpets everybody was saying about how they're picky eaters sometimes and the mm-hmm. switching from mice to rats or if you give them birds they'll never go back to rodents and I oh, don't no, never have a problem with any of that yeah. stuff no never
3: so yeah i i do feed a lot of, of different things to my animals but mm-hmm. i do notice that if i feed a snake too long on rats it doesn't like mice as much uh, yeah. it, it doesn't like chicken as much. So, uh, yeah. but I, I really kind of tuned in to that being like the first six to eight months. It, and then I can kind of do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. It, it's that baby snake that I find myself going in there. And unlike you, Eric, I don't, I don't like my snakes to not do what I want. Right. So I'm going <laughs> to go wash that prey. I'm going to go send it with something. Right. I'm going to try to see if I can entice them with just the thinking that, They are designed to shut down if they're Mm -hmm. in an environment where there's not food. And and that shutdown in metabolism that can help them survive for six months, you know, we might need to do other things to turn that back on.
2: Uh, Yeah. Well that was where I made a lot of mistakes. There was a paper that came out that was talk- it was talking about Burmese pythons, but they were talking about how their system to what you, to your point where it just basically shuts down to where their organs actually shrink yeah. because they're not putting any, you know, they're trying to conserve calories basically at this point stay alive that they they don't want to put unnecessary calories into organs i guess that they're not using which to me is to to me that that's that's just one of those things that i think everybody sort of just glosses over that's just amazing to me about pythons in general it's like they basically are shutting their parts of their body they're shutting off like like a light switch you know and they're shutting them down i found that though when i'm doing that where i've made the mistake is when you're coming back up you sort of have to like you can't just throw you know I did this with a Malukan scrub and it was terrible that mm. I lost the scrub because I fed it what I normally would feed it where you, I think my approach now is that I would offer it a smaller meal mm-hmm. to sort of kickstart that digestive system back up. Um, and then, you know, smaller meals more often type of deal to sort of get that, get that going and, and get it back in sync. Um,
3: yeah, I would do the same thing. I'm always afraid to feed a snake that hasn't eaten in a long time. A bee- yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I wouldn't recommend. Know if that's it. Common sense, but it also to what you're saying, Eric, it's completely amazing. It's the equivalent to the, to these snakes shutting down would be like us holding our breath for an hour. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. Shut, shut your breathing down. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna need a net to drag me up. Yeah, uh, yeah. But just really amazing animals. And and I think all the, a lot of times we don't appreciate all these incredible things they do. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they're so focused on what they look like. Um, right. And, you know, how much have they eaten, how much longer till they breed. But we really have a unique opportunity to just have such amazing creatures just at, at our disposal. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just so easy and you can just get whatever you want. I'm still in awe of, of our hobby.
1: Yeah, and we we talked about that recently, where it's like you kind of forget sometimes what you got because you're looking at the next thing or the next more for the next Python you're chasing. Where it's like you forget that what you got in the back, and you kind of almost that's, take it for granted. So
2: yeah, that's another reason why you stood out to me, Tony. is like you have this uh, focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same sort of thing that I was saying with Bill, where he sort of has this idea of like, you know, from a business standpoint, like where he wants to go. But, w- you know, with your projects that you're sort of doing this diamond thing and then you have these diamond crosses of, you know, which I-, I don't know, whatever this animal is, was the one that was like, holy shit, that is that is just cool. And I'm sure it's probably just some sort of cross of some sort. But I just love the colors on that animal. Wow! <laughs> I just am like, that is amazing, you so, know. And so that's Hurt Locker.
3: Yeah. Okay. I, okay. That that snake uh, really is the only one that I've produced that has that that orange uh, kind of copper speckling. Um, yeah. And it's a zebra, but um, yeah, I really like that snake a lot. Um,
1: that's a, that's a zebra, a diamond
3: zebra. So that snake is. And, and here, here's the way that I, I market these snakes and let mm. people know what's in them is I'm going to tell you that snake's 50% diamond, 25% coastal, 25% jungle. Got it. So, y'all, y'all know very well that that snake may be 51% diamond and 23% yeah. coastal and so forth. But that I had to start somewhere, so I, I knew when I was wanting to cross these animals, I wanted to add the the coastal to it
4: mm-hmm. I, i've seen
3: i think we've seen a lot of of the diamond and the jungle and they're beautiful i i, I produced some I, well, I just got some eggs uh actually yesterday nice. but uh so that snake, i think that 25 percent coastal has a whole uh has a lot to do with why those snakes look so unique mm. uh, with the yeah. way that, that their bands are spread out and they really took on that speckling um the um, the ones that I uh, the 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 clutches I produced from Rambo and Firefly that has no coastal in it except for the coastal that that started that jag, but I'm assuming that was 18 generations down the line.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit far removed at this point. Yeah, <laughs> right.
3: But, but it, it doesn't have speckling on, on the dorsal, uh, and and really that was a trend with the whole the whole clutch is, is they were clean backed. Meanwhile, the the ones with the coastal influence really spread that pattern out through the snakes. That is very cool.
2: And you're also combining the caramel with the diamond part of it, right? Yeah.
3: So the, the clutch that animal was produced in was Rambo and Colette and Colette was a 50% diamond or 50% diamond. She was a caramel coastal. So she was produced by breeding a diamond to a super caramel female. Cool. It, it was okay. one of Nick's super caramel females. I, I know he's, he'll, he'll be happy he started all this.
2: <laughs> it's this is that's the snake, right?
3: Yeah. And so okay. that's Colette. Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: And, okay. and cool. you know, she didn't, uh, I didn't really see the the caramel in her, but you, you guys that work with Coastals could probably tell she's just super light.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, she seems really, really light on that. And then you have holy hell that <laughs>
2: which is uh offspring it burns of,
1: the eyes.
3: Like it's so that wow. snake came from um, the same clutch. Rambo and Colette Libra you showed before. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh yes, that, that diamond gene really likes the caramel.
1: Wow, it did it did great stuff with the head stamp.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so that snake, uh his, his name is Dave. Dave? He, Just Dave? Dave? <laughs> and he, he belongs to a friend of mine okay. in San Francisco. And and so Jeff bred Dave. I also sent Jeff, I sent him Colette. Okay, uh, oh, okay. I, I really wanted that pairing to happen. Um uh, I, I, I didn't know how well that snake was gonna turn out, but Je- uh Jeff did get eggs uh uh-huh. about ten days ago. So we should get to see what the super form looks like.
2: So, to, to me, oh, and I know you're saying about the head headstamp. Doesn't that sort of look like a, a face of, like, some kind of, like, here's, like, the mouth, no, it the looks eyes, like a jack the nose,
3: it looks like a and jack. there's the Move
2: horns. On. Move, no, on. Move on. Come <laughs> yeah. on. It
3: looks like an evil goat. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, vindication. Uh, yes. yes.
2: No, I, no, I mean, you can't breed for an evil ghost head. But, but you could. <laughs>
1: But it's good. It's just cool. This is my evil ghost head morph. Only head only the head stamp.
3: But you know, all of those animals, well, the jags, when I say all of them, all the jags, Hmm. really the the head stamp really doesn't go with the body. Uh I I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, you normally see like a uh that's a that was another one that stood out to me. (laughs) That's gotta be the caramel influence because normally you have a solid pattern in a head stamp or just one color. But (laughs) With anything caramel, I think it just bleeds into the head stamp.
2: See, and also, um, I guess if you're not watching this on YouTube, that's its nose. Uh, you're listening, but you see sort of this pattern that's sort of developing on the side and through the eye. The eye
1: stripe, yeah. Yeah,
2: very cool. Very cool. I love the uh, I'd love the idea of what you're going with with the coastal and the diamond sort of cross and the orange tone that they produce because some of my favorite... Uh, looking carpets are those ones that come from that intergrade area in Australia to where you're seeing like they have the coastal color, but it's sort of the diamond pattern and the fishnets type of, you know, uh, uh, reduced type of look. And, um, to me, that that's just spectacular. And then I guess when you add the caramel into it, you're just kicking it up a, a whole nother notch. That's you're
1: just taking it up a little bit further. I,
3: I know exactly what snakes that you're talking about, Eric, uh, and, and they're in collections in Australia, and and they're all considered to be 100% diamond. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's okay. Yeah, uh, but but they are just strikingly beautiful animals, I I love that speckling just spread out through the snake. Really so I
2: have I have an animal that uh, I have a male. I've I've kept him forever. I I never had any intentions of really breeding him. I just think that they, it looks awesome. He's a coastal diamond. From Bumblebee Tuna, Bumblebee phase. Tuna, yeah. Um, and he has that exact look, and he looks just like uh, you know, he's part diamond, part coastal, and he has the coastal sort of pattern, but that orange, brown, copper, gold type of color. It's ah, uh, I love that snake, <laughs> you know. But
3: yeah, it's it's one of my favorites too. Uh, I actually sold that to a a good friend, and and he had to downsize and got rid of it and and I've kept in in touch with everybody mm. that's bought that snake and I know where it is today it's back in Texas. Uh, because I I'll, <laughs> I'll be interested to see what what he does with that. It's a very good. Yeah. Cool.
2: So what's your what what is your are you continually crossing the pure diamonds back into the crosses or like are, are you trying to up the diamond percentage in, in them or
3: I, Absolutely. I'm going to that- I'm going to try to I I've got whole back females that will be ready in maybe twenty-three, probably twenty-four, and I, mm-hmm. I wanna take a, a, a diamond to all of those and I wanna see what the seventy-five percent looks like.
2: So you're that's using diamond male to female crosses, right?
3: Yes. Well okay. that that's my plan. So God right.
2: win.
4: Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I mean, after a certain point, do you think it's just kind of I mean, so I, I think there's gonna be major changes in color and pattern, and then once you get to like seventy-five can even like would it be 88%ers, I think you think you're really gonna see that much of a change, or you think it's just kind of gonna level out a little bit?
3: So really what I wanted to do when I started doing this is I mm. wanted to make really cool zebras. Okay. So I, I just want to see what kind of zebra I can come up with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think zebra is just an awesome gene. Uh, and I think if we break that that pattern up, mm-hmm. and we add white speckling, yellow speckling to it. I think it can be a really astonishing snake. So, yeah, uh, but I do see myself in you know maybe four or five years just kind of migrating to all diamonds. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, a having a whole lot of fun with this, and, and uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, got uh, some really good friends that have bought animals from me. So it's mm-hmm. so cool to watch their animals grow up and see what they're going to do with it. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Excellent.
2: Yeah, the one diamond you got from uh Terry that you posted up, uh I think it's Knockout, is the name?
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. She's amazing, yeah. isn't she? Yeah,
1: holy crap. Damn, that head is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and
3: that's an old picture. Yeah. Yeah, she is so bright yellow now. Uh they, these diamonds can fool you. The 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 ones you you bought like is a 6-month old. You wait till it's a year, they could all look so different. Uh oh. And it's not so much their pattern, but the color. That they yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I love how his. It's almost like the. It reminds me of like a, uh, a milder version of a stone washed, almost like a yeah. yellow pattern that's sort of like in the background of the of those scales, sort of coming through you sort of have the scales where like with the stonewash, it sort of goes, you don't see the outline, so to speak, but that's, that's a really cool look. I like that a lot. Yeah.
3: That's all
2: you're saying. She just intensified with the yellow as she aged.
3: Oh yes. I I wish you had an updated picture of her. She she is really amazing. Yeah. She, she was up on her her perch the other day and she shed for me
4: Uh huh.
3: and it it was, uh, I, I put a, uh, a video up and it was just amazing to see that snake glow. Uh, oh, and I, I really like these diamonds. If you can't tell, it's <laughs> my
1: right. but, but that's, I mean, I think we can all agree that at a certain point, any Morelia, like they, they seem to pop with color when they're close to about a year old. And then when they get about to that two, three-year-old mark is when they kind of explode with color again. And then you're like, Holy crap. So, um, I mean, is that the same kind of thing you're looking at with diamonds where it's like all of a sudden just like they hit those milestones like about a year or a couple feet, and then at three years again where it's just like knocking your socks off?
3: You know, I I really just want uh, to have about eight of them. And (laughs) and I I think everyone will look different, and and I'll love everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I, I, I really don't have any expectations other than they just keep Exceeding anything that I had, had thought they would be. Just if, if you could open a cage and have a snake come out and smell you, it's just mm-hmm. amazing. And they go, oh, that's not food. You know, hmm. they, they they don't want to be handled. Uh, right, but but they like to know what's going on. And my other crosses, they're way too shy
0: for that. Um,
2: Did you? I, I was going to throw a picture up real quick. I was trying to find. Uh, that's not her, is it?
3: That is her.
1: That okay. is her tucked
2: in the back.
3: Okay. I, I took that this week, yes.
2: Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah,
3: that that's in that 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 so that's that pull out hide drawer.
1: Okay.
2: Cool. Oh, okay. So you get to see the what the inside is about. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, there's something about I don't I don't know if it's for you, but the contrast between the those colors and you know, especially those little uh, the, the dark black on those little. I guess we're going to call them rosettes, right? You know, if they don't have a certain amount of dots or whatever, they're not right. bullshit. <laughs> but, um, you know, you have that dark black, and then you have right inside that the that that color, and oh man, they just pop diamonds, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> they're 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 amazing. Yeah,
3: yeah they really are an amazing snake. I I think that in uh, the next few years, I think a lot of people have these, and they're going to start to be more successful with the pairings, and I I think we'll see a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I find
2: uh, especially for Owen, right? I I I think you just must have not been in the mindset that you. I think I wasn't if you in had the right mount, place. Yeah, I think absolutely a hundred percent you would be successful with them because they're just uh, like the colubrid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Just to keep it simple stupid is I think is where I kind of went wrong with it. And also, I, I think I fell into the classic plunder of, you know, like trying to keep them in my snake room in the same kind of things that I had with the rest of my snakes. Where it's like, I, I think I was told just to keep them towards the bottom mm-hmm. of the rack or the stack and they'd be fine. And I don't think that's true. I think yeah. they just need a little bit more of a different thing in order to hit, be successful. So,
3: you can keep them on the bottom, you can't see them. Exactly. What the hell is the point <laughs> <boy> of that? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I would like to do it great again.
3: in the house, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah if, that's what I would do.
3: If, and if you got them on wheels and you got to roll them to the garage or outside or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do with them, uh, you know, you that that'll make it a lot easier. But uh, yeah, I I think they do great in the house. Uh,
1: I am I am eyeing up uh, I wanna I wanna move the rhinos to one corner of the living room and then I'm already looking at that one that section. Other corner. <laughs> it'd be it'd be right next to the TV. <laughs> so I'd be sitting there and you think I'm watching the TV. No, I'm watching my diamonds do shit in well, this giant cage that I have for them.
2: You so. know I got those the little ones upstairs. I just watch them all the time. I know, but and I like to, your, you know, but- to what you said earlier, Tony, where they come out and bask at the in the morning like they're out like mm-hmm. clockwork, you know.
1: I want. I want to. I want the. Uh, I want the cages. To be honest, it's the. I want the cages that Cody has for his like mambas, where it's this giant thing with a glass front. Like I want that. Yeah, perches and diamond pythons. Like that's yes. that's the mission. Okay, there we Give go. Give me a couple of years. That All
3: right, sounds like a great goal. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, uh, but I I think a really if you're going to start a project, you need two point three.
1: Uh, oh! Oh! Like hundred percent. Yeah.
3: for. Yeah. I, I, I need one more male reduced pattern. And if you, do you guys realize how hard it is to find a male reduced pattern diamond python?
1: I can well, throw a stick and hit a guy that's got three of them. I think. Yeah, I have three of
3: them. Uh, that's the.
1: That's the. I'm breeding them this year. So.
2: I well, mean,
3: I'm, I'm sorry I should have prefaced that available available <laughs> one yes you are correct
1: yeah <laughs> well yeah I mean different listen different. if you sh- if you shake him awful hard he'll eventually give it up <laughs> so yeah <laughs> well I'm like you.
2: I think I don't know if it's because I've been there, done that. I don't know. Like uh, I, I don't know if you really went into like why you're keeping a smaller collection. But I find for me, um, I just like the idea of being able to be one-on-one with my snakes as opposed to having this huge group. To where I felt that I wasn't in tune with all of them, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just now more in tune with everything.
3: When, when you run a big collection, it, it really puts a lot of strain on how much time you spend with your animals.
2: Right. Uh, You know, you're,
3: you're always having to go buy food, buy bedding, clean, thaw. There's just always time spent in taking care of that huge collection. So it is a world of difference to, to keep. My goal is to have eight adult animals. Um, I'm already pushing it, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I want to stay small because I don't want it to be a business. It's just going to be fun. Yeah, uh, how do
2: you stay on track with that?
1: Yeah, is it hard?
3: With uh, stay on track with what?
2: With with just keeping a small collection. I mean, there must be animals that pop up from time to time, especially with your experience. Are you ever are you ever tempted, tempted
1: by just just one
3: more? Just to add a little bit more. No, I I wouldn't mind having uh, uh I guess some bread lie. I, mm-hmm. I like Brazilian rainbow boas, but. I, I know that I'm gonna be limited with space mm-hmm. and that my time is important yeah so um, I'm, I'm really trying to stay close to the vest. I added one animal last year and it was a, a animal I, I got from Gary of 75 percent diamond reduced pattern male uh-huh. beautiful mm-hmm. animal uh, but uh, that that's kind of my plan If I can't make it myself, I'm just gonna buy an animal here or there but then just kind of like I did with jeff i I'm, I'm gonna send my females out.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: If, if, if you can breed them, I'll send them to you. Um, right. <laughs> so hopefully I don't have to breed things too many times.
1: In a row. <laughs> you Somebody it. else will do it for me. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah.
3: It's just cool. more fun that way, man.
1: Uh, it it you know. really is, especially because it's like, I, I, like I have several of my animals out with other people, especially ones that, you know, I have multiple multiples of their offspring. It's like, all right, well, he's done everything I can do with him here. And I sent him out to a friend of mine, and they he produced some of the best looking red coastals I've ever seen from my mail. And I'm like, I'll take this little female here, and she can come over here. And now it's like he gets the rest of the clutch. I don't care. I have this little red thing that I'm excited for and could do stuff with. So,
3: and how easy was that? Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so there
3: was a lot of satisfaction in that because you yeah. you built that snake. And you raised it, that snake is locked in, it knows how to reproduce. And so you just hand it over and uh it everything goes well. Mm. Uh, that that happened with uh so so Dave, that awesome looking caramel, um uh again was bought by Jeff. I got to know Jeff, great guy. And I really wanted to see what that snake bred to his mom looked Mm -hmm. like. Jeff has never bred snakes, but I sent him that snake and and he got a clutch out of her and uh, just couldn't be more happy for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that makes me feel good. You yeah. Know, we, we need to share this hobby. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's it's a very private thing that we need it not to be so private. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Helping people. I've had uh, that, that same friend um, just got, uh, I think it was two years ago or last year, had his first clutch of bread lie from two bread lie that I produced and sold to him. So it's like you can kind of see how they kind of go full circle with that kind of stuff.
3: That's like your grandbaby. Yeah.
2: Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been our goal, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of like one of the things I love about reptile podcasts just in general is that you get people come on and they share their their info or their experiences and sort of sometimes, you know, every once in a while, you'll find these little nuggets of gold in, in, in just the conversation from people talking snakes, you know, and... You just stumble upon it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was meant to be. That's sort of why I was saying to you earlier, like just, you know, if we go down a rabbit hole, we go down a rabbit hole. Rabbit 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 holes are good. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually there that you find those little nuggets of, uh, of just awesomeness, you know?
3: Well, I, I I really need to say that I don't think you guys get enough credit. Uh, Y'all, y'all have changed the face of this hobby already. And it mm. will continue to change. Even if y'all never did another podcast. Because the resource y'all provide to people is invaluable. Yeah. Uh, every one of Nick's podcasts I've listened to five times because I just want to <laughs> understand what right. he's talking about.
1: Right. <laughs> but uh,
3: the more I listen to him, the more I understand.
1: So, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's always good to say you hope like if we were to just shut down, you'd hope that somebody else would just like pick it up and keep running. It wouldn't necessarily be called NPR or anything like that, but you, you always want to keep talking and keep kind of, making sure that uh, what i found is you know eric's always about like you know we want to bring people together we want to kind of share information but i am very much into the whole i don't want us to forget where we came from and how we got to where we are because i think a lot of times a lot of herp history and stuff of like that is lost just because you you came in at a certain time like we all haven't been this isn't something that we're all in and you're all sit down and yelp. Taught all this stuff at school, you might plug yourself in, and you might not know that twenty years ago you couldn't get a ball python to breed with shit. Like it was just like, <laughs> and that's just the way it works. Where it's like you kind of you kind of want to do that. that's why I keep getting I keep getting sucked into books like this. Like it's just you know it, it's, it's that all kind of about stuff. The
3: journey. It's all yeah. about the journey. I, I really ap- appreciate y'all for yeah. everything you've done. And if y'all ever need anything from me, I'll I bend over backwards because y'all have done a lot for me. I need some I diamonds. That. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, um, I'll, I'll pick first. Oh,
1: of course, yeah. I mean, I would, whoa! Of course, you will. <laughs> is, I I'm love, curious.
3: I, I would love to hook y'all up with anything that that made you happy. Absolutely.
2: Cool. I uh, I'm curious because we're around the the, the same era, the same age. Um, you know, um, I'm wondering. I think for me, my feeling is is that I think we've we say you know gen xers you know kids born in the 70s to the 80s sort of have the best of both worlds with not only technology the world but even reptiles right because we've seen what the world was like before the internet before the technology that's out there you know the way that it worked back then and how you had to you know how it was sort of like uh I don't want to say you were an outcast, but it's not as mainstream as it is today. And to see that sort of change over the years, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Tony?
3: Well, I'll tell you, just in the last year or so, I've really started to share on my Facebook personal page all my snakes. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I wasn't sure about that at first. Right. uh, if, If someone hasn't liked it, they haven't said anything. And I've had so many people come talk to me about, you know, why is this snake doing that? And, and they notice things that I'm surprised they notice. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think it's important that that we share what we're doing with the people that really don't know anything about reptiles. Right. You know, yeah. There's these, We we have levels of knowledge in reptiles. Right. You got the I don't know and the beginner. And a lot of people stay beginner because they never reach out. Right. And they, mm-hmm. and they never get involved. And then we have us guys that are just halfway insane. But I I think that there's some really good work we could do just by introducing stuff that if if you're willing to look and listen, I'll tell you about it.
1: Yeah. Mm.
3: Awesome. I like it.
2: That's interesting. I never even thought about like uh, the sharing to your main Facebook page, because I know a lot of people sort of, uh, to your point, sort of nervous about that and how that's going to, but you've, you've, you've seen that it's been a good thing. So Absolutely.
3: That's, that's uh, awesome. You know, I might be the snake guy, but I have <laughs> Australia in my bedroom. Right. Yeah. And not only do I have Australia, but it's beautiful and it's thriving and it's reproducing and it's providing me joy. Why would I not want to share that? Right. Yeah. I think this is the, the hobby that more people need to get into, especially guys my age. Uh, yeah. We need something to do. Our mind right. works, our body's just slowing down.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> we don't.
1: Well, that, that, that's Wait what on. Tony said before we started. He goes, how old are you? You got a couple more years left. Keep going. You keep pushing up that hill. Yeah. It works. I'm like, okay.
2: You know, that's another thing I often forget about me and you is that like you're sort of at the point I was. You know, years ago, and I'm sort of over that now. And like, if we, just, like, if we were see you starting to get over. That. Like,
1: if no. we were to backtrack to when we first started, I was I was the bright eyed youngster, and yeah, you were me with your two hundred, five hundred. <laughs> yeah. Now we, now you've just kept going into the, your twilight of your herb career. Yeah. But so, you know,
3: if Owen, oh, if there's any advice I can give you, it's mm. listen to the old folks. Yeah. Oh yeah. They They may not say what you want to hear. But they've been around and as long mm-hmm. as they've got their faculties, they, they probably know something. Uh um, yeah. and I'm not I'm not putting myself in that group, but there's a lot of people in this hobby that deserve a lot of respect for what yeah, they, they do. Yeah. And and I, I hate to see them not given that respect because they could share so much.
1: It it's something that you know, hits you home when you watch somebody try to argue with Keith McPeak over the care yeah. of like isn't it pythons? crazy that that's the like, people what, that's the guy we he? thought of immediately. Right. That's already in the back of my head.
2: It's he's like, such a humble guy.
1: Right. You know? And it's just like cause he'll come on and be like, Well I think you should do this. And they're like, what do you know? It's like, whoa kiddo, the reason you have <laughs> the reason you have this Python is because of this man. Shut yeah. your mouth. Yeah. Like it is so I can definitely see that as something and that's something else that we try to kind of combat with the show. But um, I think I'm going to keep trucking as long as I can keep trucking, because I think there's eventually a certain point where you have to take the step to have the smaller collection to enjoy it. Or you have to get several employees (laughs) like there's there. Those are your like that, that, that road branches. And I think I'm coming up to it at, at some point. So I'm going to keep trucking until I get there. But, you know, and I've thought about it. If I were to have to cut down tomorrow, would I be able to cut down to one or two species? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know.
2: Well, it's the thing is, and this would be my advice. I don't know. Mm. It's like, I think you have to sort of go through that phase yourself and figure you it do. out for yourself. But at the same time, sort of having the back of your mind that like, you know, like, Rob and Nipper were a big influence on this for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because they constantly tell me, cut down your collection. What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) You're not enjoying your snakes. What are you doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. And and just like, no, 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 no. Because I think, I don't know, you tell me, Tony, what you feel about this. Do you think that in the earlier days, it it was about uh, let's say it was about, you know, how many clutches did you breed and what, how many snakes do you have? And like, you know, I, I just think when I came back into it, it was like, you know, everybody would talk about Brian from BHP from, uh, you know, uh, Brian barchek and he had like 40,000 snakes and that's like, Oh man, I want 40,000 snakes. Not even thinking yeah. to the amount of work, <laughs> 40, <000 laughs> that 40,000 snakes are going to that 40, be yeah. snakes, you know, would uh, would entail. Um, yeah, it,
3: it was everything in, in excess, just, just yeah. like it is. There's something about snakes being able to be kept so low maintenance and so many in a small space that just drives people to want to overwhelm themselves with just as much as they can fit in their space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but all that stuff takes time. And then yeah. if something yeah. goes wrong, it really takes time. Yeah. So, yes, we, we really uh, n- need to get a different – Attitude early on about that, in, in my opinion, and, and you know, start small. You know, buy two point three or something, and just dive mm-hmm. into it, and and see how great you can make that. You can never compete with the guy that has forty thousand snakes, but if you do one thing really well, you can make better snakes than, than that guy could ever think about. Yes, and he'll never yeah. give that project that time. He doesn't have the time.
2: No. Right, right, yeah, right. no. yeah, and you know, that's one thing that I'm, I am uh I admire and wish I could do it better, but sort of the, sort of what you were saying, Owen about, you know, if I could only work with one or two species, or, you know, I think of so many people come into my head when it comes to that type of thing. And it's like John Bataglia with his gamma jacks. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like he's known for his gamma jack. You know what I mean? And uh I mean even I don't know if Bill is like this in the in the ball python world, but when I think of him, I think of Candino. Candino. Like to me, it's like Candino. That's his his thing, and like, uh, um, just what he's done with that or the sickness, right? He's not breeding like all these different types of green trees and stuff. He sort of said, "Okay, I'm going to focus on this, and you know, maybe I have these satellite things or whatever." But um, I don't know. Just people like that. That's you know, I, and similar to you, you know, where you're sort of focused on these diamond, diamonds, and diamond crosses, and um, I just, I really respect that uh, ability to focus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, something to think about is I bet the number of people that get out of snakes because they got too many snakes.
2: Yes, yeah. so either they yeah. couldn't
3: afford to feed them, they couldn't afford the electric bills. You know, if if you grow into that slowly. It's uh-huh. a much more enjoyable process, and you may yeah. discover that you don't want to be a big reptile breeder. Yeah. You may want to be a small reptile breeder. You might just want to be a keeper. Uh, right. But there's a lot of different ways to go, and 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 I've heard y'all talk about it. It's a really interesting topic because I think if if you know just like with my kids, if they can learn from my mistakes, right, then, then that mistake was worth it. Yeah. But when people just keep doing the same thing, then it's almost like we're never going to learn. Uh, yeah and for some people it's right you know justin kabelka i mean that guy he needs to own more snakes
4: <laughs> because whatever <laughs> yeah. he
3: does with them it's right yeah uh, yeah he handles it he's very organized uh and a lot of people just don't have all those personality traits where they can do everything and manage their personal life
2: Yeah, yeah i think one of the things that uh, i think i made this comment of few episodes back where, or maybe it was on another podcast where we were talking about ball pythons. But the one thing that I noticed about ball pythons is it's not so much that they care more or less for the snakes. It's just that I think they're very, like the, the personality of those type of keepers are very uh, like a cell phone business type of motivation. Mm-hmm. that you see and probably not everybody, but at least the people, cause I'm just probably looking at the top, you know? Right. So it just seems like to me, the people that I'm seeing being successful with them, I think of Ozzy Boyds. I think mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, I think of uh, what uh, Justin Kabelka, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now on a whole bunch of them, but, um, but anyway, they're just sort of like, they have that mindset that they're not only good with snakes, but they're also good with running a business, right? Mm-hmm. They're good at exactly. seeing like how to maneuver in that world. And I think sometimes people think just because you're really smart with snakes doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be really smart with business.
1: It's right. kind of two different things. Yeah. You know <laughs> that, that that's a double edged sword where it's right. like you gotta you gotta do both, like, and that can be hard. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. There there's a lot of layers, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the more, you know, the more layers there are. Yeah.
2: hundred yeah. um, percent. So we're, we're, we're coming towards the end, but what I want to do is we'll do the closing questions, Owen, and yes. then we'll do the, we'll like close it out and then we'll do the hot take.
1: Got it. Got it.
2: Got it. Got so it. we're going to do the hot take on the whole Florida situation, but yeah, go
1: ahead.
3: Horrible, <laughs> horrible stuff.
1: Yes. Yep. all right so let's see do we don't we don't have the closing cushions listed here do we oh, no i, I do think not. you sent me you i just figured did. you would make oh, i got up. it here i got him here <laughs> hold on since all so right. long since you did closing i know <laughs> um all right so tony uh what which species have you tried to breed and failed the most
3: oh um i'd have to say ball pythons uh yeah, okay. I've I've always been able to breed other species with a higher rate of uh, higher percentage rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I haven't tried to be, breed ball pythons in a long time, but if uh, if if I would get sixty out of a hundred adult females to go, that that was a good year.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that could be a fantastic year, but, you know, but you really going to be drowning in ball. So I didn't care. I didn't even think about that.
3: Just (laughs) give me as many as you can. I'll I'll figure that out when it gets here.
1: That's future Tony's problem. Anyway. So, (laughs) um, all right. And if, what is one piece of advice you could give to the reptile community?
3: Um, Appreciate your animals.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I like it. I <laughs> that is a real good one.
3: They they, they deserve a lot of appreciation.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is one species you regret passing on?
3: Oh, I, I wish I got diamonds way back when. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what, I don't what? really have a, a, a lot of regrets. I, I think some of the, the ups and downs that I've had have, have kind of, led me to where i am and i'm really happy with this spot it's, it's mm-hmm. a good place uh but if anybody just has has bred carpets you've bred several other species you you know how to watch your snakes and in the, in, in the temperatures if, mm. if you've bred uh oh what what are the snakes that you said you keep in your house owen
1: I have rhinos. rhinos. I have all I have if all my snakes in my house. You need <laughs>
3: there you go. <laughs> I, I think you can keep those exactly the same.
1: Excellent. Well, they're on the list. And I guess the last one would be um, what is your coolest reptile moment, whether it be breeding, herping, or keeping?
3: Man, that's a good question. Mm. Um, I've had some good moments. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what kind of impression this will leave, but when I was about 18 years old, my dad had me chase a friend of his with a boa constrictor. <laughs> don't anybody do this. Well, this guy was so deathly afraid of snakes mm-hmm. that he ran out of the house screaming, got into his car, and he left. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think he would answer the phone from our house at the time. Uh, I've, I've never seen anybody as morally afraid but I was so proud that this eighteen year old could scare a forty-five mm-hmm. year old man like that. Right. That, that, oddly enough is what came to mind.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's
3: awesome. awesome. But that's not what we should do with our boa constrictors, people. Yeah. yeah.
1: We've since learned. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's not do that. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Okay, so
2: if people want to get in touch with you or want to find you, what what you have going on? What's the best place to see? So, follow uh,
3: you? I, I I'd say Tony Hurt on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will have a website up pretty soon. Uh, just wasn't quite ready to launch this week, but I, I was trying.
2: Hmm. Okay. Blue Mountain Pythons,
3: right? Blue Mountain Pythons. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go old school, get back in the website game, and and see if I can get some traffic on there. Okay. Uh, the websites, I think, are important. Yeah. You know, well, I think it's
2: yeah. let me know when it's live and we'll add it into the show notes. So yeah. people find the episode. We'll, uh...
3: One thing I want to do is is take if someone buys an animal for me and they want to mm. send me a, a picture of it at 12 or 18 months, I will post that animal on that site uh, with your name and your business. But I really like seeing my babies grow up. So if that's yeah. an enticement, um, yeah. I, I, that's something I definitely want to do.
2: Yeah, I really like that post you put up with uh, Rambo and Colette from your 2021 clutch. And you sort of had like all the offspring a little bit older with some size and some color. Mm-hmm. And, um, that that was that was really cool with different people that that have them and stuff. Absolutely. That, yeah. that
3: was a great snake moment in itself to, mm-hmm. to be able to have kept in touch with all those people and see those snakes doing so well. Um, and, you know, of course, having a small collection allows you to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah,
1: right. yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, Eric has to remind me to show people all my cool shit because I just <laughs> hide it. Yeah. yeah. It's mine. No, <laughs> I don't care. I see it. I don't care what you people see. So yeah, It's like, this is awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll
2: do the closing real quick, and then we'll jump back into the hot take. But uh, yeah, uh, so if you want to get in, in, well, so haha. on our next uh, Herp History, I <laughs> oh, wouldn't you say this. <laughs> our is- next episode, we're talking to Craig Trumbauer. Yes. Uh, he's coming back. We're going to talk to him. We'll be joined by Keith and Rob, obviously, to uh, to chat him up and talk about his history and herpticulture. He was on... A uh, student of the Serpent a long time ago, and uh, he sort of talked I was about helping in, in West podcast. Texas yeah. and stuff. Um, but uh, we're definitely going to uh, to chat with him about because he has two books. I think he might have a third one in the, in the world. I have to I'm get sure. his.
1: Like I have to do those.
2: Uh, so, how know. can you? Oh, dear. I
3: dear. am fixing it. I'll have to <laughs> like, buy it and send it to you. Thank I you. Got you. <laughs> yeah, he's, I put it he, on the list. He's been catching snakes for a long time. I yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him about uh, his experiences and, and, and all that. So uh, if you want to learn more about Carpet Pythons, check out uh, Carpets and Coffee, uh, Carpet Cliff Notes, and now our YouTube channel, NPR Network. We'll be having Carpet Python videos up there uh, more and more. Um, if you're looking for ways to support the show, follow us and subscribe on all the podcast uh, platforms that you do, NPR Network, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, and there's also uh, many other... Uh, shows in the network that are Ooh, out there, nice. Reptile Fight Club, Colubrids and Calubroid Radio, boa boa boa, which they're recording right now actually. My goodness! Uh, <laughs> so they're going to be talking about Madagascar boas, which is pretty Ooh. pretty awesome. So that'll be cool to uh, to hear their take on that. You can check out our website um, and uh, radio dot com email us if you want to get in touch with us at info at we have swag on our Teespring store and Patreon uh, we have that as well which um, we're
1: redoing the new perks for the Patreon yes well, well, we'll one of the, them Yes. will is be the hot
2: take the hot take
1: yes. so let's you have, transition you have to pay down. for that
2: <laughs> well